Are you an entrepreneur looking to have your business grow with a little help from the internet? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Harness the Web with your host, Steve Pack. everybody, welcome today to Harness the Web, and I'm Steve Peck, your host, and I'm here today with Apple Kreider. He's 24 years old. He's working on graduating from college in two and a half years, and he's the host of the Young Smart Money Podcast, which is a top 100 business podcast for entrepreneurs. Recently, Apple used his knowledge of podcasting space to start Podblade, right? Is that right? Podblade? Yeah. yeah. Podblade, a low-cost pod, podcast editing company known for their $20 podcast edits. Apple is passionate about making people aware of the multitude of alternatives that exist outside of the traditional life path. It's a lot of stuff for a 20-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a wild 20 years so far, and I'm, I'm excited for the rest. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot to dive into there, I'm sure. <laughs> so, like... How did you prepare for this? Like, what was high school like for you, early yeah. college? So, uh, honestly, um, high school, I wasn't really doing that much that relates to what I'm doing now in high school, which, I mean, high school was only, gosh, like three, three, three and a half years ago. And um, because I'm done with college in about like four weeks here. So, so high school isn't that long ago. But honestly, in high school, I was really just – I was focused on the social aspect, to be honest with you. Um, I was really into sports, not because I was any good at them, just because I wanted to to meet cool people and to, and to build those relationships. And actually, in my junior year of high school, I applied to college. And there's this really cool program in Minnesota where you can apply to a college as a junior in high school. And it, you basically apply as if you were a freshman. And if you get accepted, uh, the state pays for all of your classes, which is is crazy. So I got accepted that junior year. And junior year, I was doing half my classes at college, half my classes at high school, because I still wanted a little bit of high school experience. You know, I'd only been in high school for two years. So I didn't just want to, like, dive all into college when I'd only been in high school for two years. So I started doing that. I was taking some, like, general classes, like some sociology, some, like, computer programming, and just sort of, like, getting into the groove of college. And then my senior year, I actually did that full time. So I didn't take any classes at high school. I still did sports because I wanted to keep up the relationships that I built. But I, I wasn't going into the school building at all. And I was really just going to class um, on the University of Minnesota campus all day and then going to high school um, after all my friends were done with class to, um, to do some sports. So that was my high school experience. I had a little bit of entrepreneurial stuff going here and there, some of it legal, some of it not so much. Um, so when yeah. did that start? When did that start, the entrepreneurship side of things? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was honestly, man, like in middle school, there was a gas station across the street from our middle school. And uh, during recess... I had this little side business going where I'd like sneak over the fence, run to the gas station, grab some like energy drinks or like pop tarts or like whatever, whatever <laughs> my friends wanted to buy. Um, and then I'd like upsell it to them for like, I don't know, like 50 cents, a dollar more than what I paid for it. So I had this little like, like running over the fence business going on for a little bit. That wasn't really much of anything. Um, but That's honestly, it was entrepreneurial. It was, yeah, I mean, it was entrepreneurial. I mean, I was buying low, selling high, you know, the good <laughs> stuff. But other than that, man, it, I, I, didn't really have that much like there was no like real business um, until I got to college uh, just because I didn't really realize the opportunities that were out there I mean I saw that I could like go to the gas station and like buy a pack of pop-tarts for a dollar and sell it for two but like other than that I didn't really understand the whole like magnitude of what was really out there until I really got to college and started meeting some people who were thinking on that next level those those higher wavelengths than I was that's cool 
So what was it then that got you um, thinking about like podcasting and more specifically got you really got you going on uh, wanting to show people the uh, expanse of opportunities that existed for them? Yeah, so that's a great question. And so my freshman year of college, I started a YouTube channel because uh, for those people that know me, they know I'm a huge personal finance geek. So I could talk about Roth IRAs, could talk about building credit, could talk about budgeting all day long. Um, and I really didn't have anyone to talk about that stuff with because I mean, the 18 year olds that I was talking to that, that were living in my dorm were like, dude, I don't, I don't care about a Roth IRA, like compound interest. I, Dude, doesn't matter to me. So <laughs> I, I sort of needed an outlet of people that I, or, or a place that I could just share that stuff. So that's kind of why I turned to YouTube. Um, it was never really like intended to be a business venture. I kind of just like needed a creative outlet to like talk about this stuff because I didn't have anyone in in my real life who would listen to me. So I started this YouTube channel in the basement of my dorm. I kind of just my whole my initial setup was crazy, man. I had like a trash can on a table on top of a chair, and there was like a, a phone <laughs> on the top that was like propped up. The lights were off in the room. You couldn't see me. It was ridiculous. Um, but but I started that, and I didn't really, again, there was no real momentum there. I mean, I think my first video got like 50 views, so I was like, okay, this is actually That's something. That's pretty good. Like, no, like 50 people watched this video. I'm like, shoot, okay, like you can't see me. You can barely see me. beyond your mom, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think 25 of them must have been her, but like beyond that, like maybe somebody <laughs> actually watched this video. So uh, at that point, I was like, okay, this could really be something. So I kept making these videos. I was going pretty hard at that, to be honest with you. Um, I was doing like five to seven videos a week and, and really just like just making all these videos about stuff that I was doing. Like I wasn't pretending to be some like personal finance expert because I was 18 years old and I was like just getting started, but just sharing my experiences. Like I made, I made videos about like credit cards that I applied for and whether I got accepted or declined and why that was and what my credit score was and whether it was going up or down and why that was and the investments I was making and all of this stuff, basically just showing people what I was doing and what my results were. Again, not claiming to be an expert, but just claiming to be someone who, here's my experience, maybe you can learn something from it. So that was what got me started. And then after doing that for probably close to nine months, I wanted to sort of expand because I was doing all this stuff under like my name, Apple Crider, as like a personal brand. And I kind of wanted to expand into into maybe seeing if there was more that I could do to like build out my brand and, and be sort of like more well-known. I mean, I was seeing all these influencers online with like millions of followers and I was like, maybe I could do a little bit of that too. So I, I decided to move on to Instagram and um, see if I could maybe expand my presence there. I had a couple thousand subscribers on YouTube. I was like, maybe I'll go on Instagram and I can get some more people to, to know about me. So I did that and I started learning about like how to grow Instagram accounts and like what went into that. And within, uh, a pretty short time frame. I mean, like it took me four weeks to take my personal account from zero to like 10,000 followers. So I was like, okay, maybe I like understand how this platform works. So me and a buddy of mine started a second account um, at, at ground zero. It was just like a business and entrepreneurship kind of page teaching people like entrepreneurial tips and stuff that we had learned. And we took that account from zero to like 60,000 followers in like six weeks. So we, we had kind of proof of concept there. We're like, all right, I think, I think we know a little bit here about what works on Instagram. So I decided to start approaching these like big influencers that I look up to um, who were big on YouTube, but were not big on Instagram. So there's a huge community of people in the personal finance space on YouTube who I've been watching for years and I saw that they didn't have a great presence on Instagram. So I wanted to sort of bridge this gap for them. And so I offered to work for them for free. And, and this is a long winded story, but it does get around to how I got into podcasting. Um, <laughs> but basically I started working for these guys for free and ha after about a couple weeks, 
they saw the value that I was bringing to them, so they offered to start paying me. And so within about a month, I, I had turned this sort of like working for free gig into something that was bringing in a couple thousand dollars a month for me, um, which as like an 18, 19 year old was, was pretty cool. I mean, like I had just sort of picked up Instagram over the last like six months, but now I had a real business helping people grow their accounts and reach more people. So that got me on the radar of my local college radio station um, because they were like this college student. He's like doing some cool stuff, making some money. Like that's super dope. Let's bring him on the radio. So they hit me up and they're like, hey, do you want to come on the radio for an interview? And I was like, you sure you want to interview me? Like I'm not, I'm not that special. I mean, um, but if, if you want me to come on the radio, like I'll come on the radio. So I agreed to do the interview. And so I came on the radio. I went to like the radio station. It was super cool. We were in like this like booth and there was a huge window that like looked out over on the lake. And I was just like, this is so cool to just like be here. And so they like talked to me for like half an hour. I got to like share my story. It was super cool. Um, and afterwards I was like, yo, I want to do more of this. Like this was really cool to like sit down with someone and like share my story and like hear a bit from them too. So like, I'm like, I want to do this, but I don't really have access to like a radio station. So I'm not really sure how to do it. And prior to, to, to me doing some research here, I didn't even know what a podcast was. Like I was, I was like 18, 19 years old. I was like, I don't, I don't really know what the whole podcasting thing is. So I like Googled how to interview people or like where to interview people and like how to do it. And so I came across podcasting and I was like, yep, that's the thing that I'm looking for. That's what I want to be doing. So about four days later, I think I published my first episode. Um, I, I really wanted to do it. So I just like hopped in right away. And so that was, that was where the podcasting thing came from. And originally it was kind of just meant to be an extension of my YouTube channel where I was teaching like financial skills and stuff. Um, but I came to learn pretty quickly that, that 18 year olds, again, I learned this earlier, but 18 year olds don't really care about Roth IRAs. So podcast talking about financial stuff wasn't doing all that well. So I sort of transitioned from like the saving money side of the equation to the making money side of the equation. Um, because that was something that uh, young people were a lot more attracted to and I could reach a lot more people if I focused on that side rather than like the, the saving money side. Um, so that's, that's sort of the long winded story of how I started that's the podcast. Cool. That's very <laughs> cool. And, and like what are, or who are some of the um, most interesting people you've interviewed? Oh, that's a great question. So there, there's one that, that always comes to mind for me. Her name is Syrah. Um, she's a Grammy award-winning rapper and in middle school, she was like my idol. Okay. So I like totally, she, her music was the only music that I listened to. It's kind of like, it, it's like rap with like a little bit of like electronic in it. And I was just all about it. Like I had all of her music. It was all I listened to. It was all that was on my iPod. And like, I would just walk around with my headphones in listening to Syrah all the time. And so I went to this event in January where I met this guy who was really well connected. We hit it off. I interviewed him. And then I saw him post in his Instagram story a few weeks later. He was just hanging out with Syra. And I was like, Richie, because that was his name. I was like, Richie, there's no way that you know Syra. I like messaged him. And he's like, yeah, we're tight. We like gave TED Talks together in Moldova. And I was like, one, that's just wild. But two, like, whoa. And he's like, I could totally, she could totally come on your podcast if you wanted. And I was like, Richie, dude, you definitely don't have to do that. But if you did, I would definitely say yes, because that would be the coolest thing ever. So the next minute, I mean, I had a text on my phone from Syrah and I just, I was losing it, man. I'm like, my, my middle school idol just texted me. She's a Grammy ordering rapper. Like, what is going on? So I ended up having her on the show. It was super, super cool. She talked about how what she's doing right now is, is more on the life coaching side for like 
big, big celebrities. So people who have like millions upon millions of dollars, she helps them feel satisfied with their lives and helps them find real satisfaction because, I mean, if you don't have millions and millions of dollars, maybe you probably don't know the issues that they're facing, but I mean, the issues don't go away when you have that kind of money. So she kind of shared what she's doing to help real huge like musical artists, people that everybody would know um, how, how they can live fulfilled lives and not sort of uh, get stuck in this trap of, of, of not really having much satisfaction. So that was hands down. I listened to that interview all the time because it's like, it's one of the, one of my favorite interviews um, of all time for sure. That's cool. And, and like, so like who else or what who else? else? Okay. Okay. So um, Patrick Bet David, he's somebody who I've looked up to for a long time as well. He runs a YouTube channel called Valuetainment. Um, and he sort of shared the story of how he came to the U.S. Um, and built this huge, huge insurance business. He's got like 10,000 employees now um, from the ground up. And now he's also a huge social media influence. I mean, he's got like millions on YouTube, millions on Instagram. Um, so he's been really, really cool too. Um, Richie Norton, the guy that I mentioned that connected me to Syra, he is super cool. He partners with larger sort of influencers, people like John Lee Dumas, Pat Flynn. Um, and he, he's the one that helped them launch their journal. So both those guys have journals. Um, Richie was the guy behind those. Oh, the switch pod. Um, Richie did that too. It's like a sort of like a camera a tripod little thing for vloggers. Um, but he did that. And basically what he does is he partners with, with influencers who want to make a physical product, but have absolutely no idea how to do that. Because like, if you're just like, I want to make a journal, you like, you start thinking about it and you're like, well, how would I, who would manufacture that? And how would I customize it? And who, who's the person to talk to? Well, like Richie Norton's the person to talk to because he basically, he has connections with all of these manufacturers in China. He goes to China very regularly um, just to like scope out manufacturers, connect with them. He, he, he's built like tiny houses out of like storage units. He, he does a bunch of like journals and stuff. And so he's been a really cool guy to talk to as well. And he's just extremely well connected. So those are probably three of like the, the most notable ones for sure. That's cool. So, and so what advice would you have for somebody? So if, if we were talking to, um, you know, a, a senior in high school mm -hmm. who's looking into the future, they don't, they're clueless about what they really want to do. <laughs> right. Most of us are. Yeah. All right. I was, I was one of those kids at one point in time. I still am. I still am. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, what advice would you give them? Yeah, so I think the biggest piece of advice, the, the thing that I wish I would have heard senior year of high school was like just the fact that there's so many opportunities out there that most people just are not aware of. So, for example, when I graduated high school, I was pretty much dead set on the idea of becoming a computer programmer. That was what I had in my mind. That's what I was going to do. I was going to go to college, get a computer programming degree, get, get a nice paying job out of college, maybe go down to the valley um, and work for a tech company. Uh, sound like a pretty sweet gig to me. That's what my dad does. He's a computer programmer. He seems to be having a, a pretty decent life. So I was like, you know what? I'll just have what he's having. That sounds good to me. I don't really have to think about much else from there. So uh, that was that was my that was my life plan right there. So I went to school. Quickly found out that I I was not as jazzed about computer programming as my dad was, and at that point I was kind of like, well, shoot, like I don't really know what to do. And I kind of a huge revelation I had, man, was that you can major in something that you're actually passionate about. Like that was I know it sounds like that's just common knowledge, but like that was a real novel thought to me. Like all throughout high school. I, I had never really thought about the fact that like I could choose something that I really love to do and study that in school. Like there was just this disconnect for me between like school and passion. Like they, they, they didn't line up. And so having that realization that like, oh, I don't just have to think about like, 
what degree is going to get me the best job or like what degree is going to make me the most money. Like I can actually think about like, what do I actually like to do and then just learn how to do more of that. So having that realization, one, drew me into to majoring in personal finance, which I, I, I don't know why I didn't think to do sooner. Um, but that was, a, that was a novel realization for me. And then the other thing is that there's so many, there's so many paths out there other than like just going to school. Like if I could do it all over again, I, I definitely would go to school. I definitely wouldn't change anything there. But I, I think something that's really important is that there's a, a lot of times we just, do the things that our parents do because we see what they did. And that's sort of the, the trail that's laid out in front of us, the easiest trail to follow. They'll help us follow it. They know how to follow it. And, and so that's, that's what I did. I mean, my parents went to college, both of them graduated with four year degrees, both of them got jobs. And so that's what I thought I was going to do. But as I, as I sort of dug deeper into the world of like the internet and like entrepreneurship, I realized that like, there are so many cool people out there doing so many cool things that I didn't even know existed. For example, I just interviewed this guy on my podcast. He's 18 years old. He lives in Canada. He's making about $50,000 per month selling SoundCloud listens to SoundCloud rappers. Okay. If that's not like the most bananas thing ever, like <laughs> what, who, how, how, do, how does that thing happen? Like how do those things happen? Um, another guy, 20 year old, he is making probably $25,000 a month or more um, helping car dealerships with their social media. Okay, like this is crazy stuff. There are young people doing some really, really cool things that they're extremely passionate about. I mean, like this, this 18 year old dude, he was, he's been a music producer for like four years and he found this problem with other music producers and he was like, oh, I can solve that. I can help people get more visibility on SoundCloud. And, and this dude with cars, like he's been a car guy for like the last like 10 years since he, since he was like a 10 year old kid. He's like looking at car magazines and stuff. And so I, I never really realized that you could take something that you had a genuine passion for, like looking back at like what, what we were passionate about when we were kids. Like I never, I never realized that you could take that childhood like passion or fascination and, and turn that into like what you did with your life. I thought those things were so distinctly different, but as I've talked to more and more young people who are doing more and more just mind blowing things, it, it just, it, it's so much more clear that like you don't have to have these limiting beliefs of like, your career and your passions are like two separate spheres or like your, your passions in school are two separate spheres. Like there, there can be, they, they can overlap. They can be one in the same. Uh, but, but a lot of times you just have to think about outside the box a little bit. Like, like no, no career counselor is going to tell you, Oh, you should start a business selling listens to SoundCloud rappers. I think that's what these test scores determine. You'd be very naturally suited for. <laughs> like, you're never going to hear that in school. Okay. But, but you have to think outside the box a little bit. And, and a lot of times it's just, it's just finding those things that already exist within your passion areas, like problems that, that you are personally having or problems that you see among other people in, in your, in your sphere of interest, those can be some of the best places to, to find ideas to not only help yourself, help other people, but also just like find a way to structure your life in such a way that, that you're doing something you love. So that was, that was pretty long winded, but the whole moral of that story is like your, your, your passions and your quote unquote work, school, whatever, they don't have to be separate things. And, and there are so many ways to, to connect those things. And, and, and we can definitely dive into like more actionable stuff, but like that's, that's sort of like the moral of, of, of the message that I want to spread to people. It, it sounds like too built into that is that you have to consider not getting a job. Yeah. 
you have to consider really starting something of your own, being responsible for yourself. Maybe that's it. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of yeah, just accountability um, that is required to do this stuff because I mean it's really easy to just like show up to class, go home, watch some Netflix, eat some ramen, go out, and just like repeat like seven days a week. Like like that's that's a really easy <laughs> life to live, and I know a lot of people personally um, who are living that kind of life. And so it, it does take a little bit of. Of, of responsibility, of accountability, of just like holding yourself to a little bit of a higher standard to, to do these kind of things. And that is something that, that it's a lot easier said than done, okay? And for me, it's really just been, you need to make an active effort at this stuff, okay? Because none of it just comes naturally. People might look at, at you or I and say, oh, well, it just comes naturally to them. Like they just get it. It's just, they're wired that way. And I'm, I don't really believe that that's the, way, that's the way it works because I've been actively making an effort at this stuff for the last like three years, okay? Like I've actively been uh, learning and, and doing and failing and, and trying and that, it, it doesn't just like happen naturally for people. So for me though, to, to develop that sense of accountability, responsibility, actually being willing to take those actions, it really just comes down to finding a problem that you are passionate enough about to actually be willing to solve it, okay? Because like I can see all of these problems out there in the world, um, in my everyday life, but 99.9% .9 of them, I don't care enough to actually do anything about it, okay? Like I'll talk about it, I'll, I'll, I'll complain about it sometimes, I try not to do much of that, but like most problems out there, I don't care enough. I, I personally, I'm, I'm fine to admit that, but I don't care enough to actually do anything <laughs> about it because it's, it's just not something that really jazzes me up and like gets me going but when it comes to for me it's personal finance like personal finance and like talking to young people about like alternative life that those are the things that like get me going but if it's not in those areas like there are plenty of people so much better suited than I to to take out or like answer the big questions of like climate change like that's an issue that I care a ton about but like I'm not doing anything on a huge scale about it because like one, I don't know that much. Two, I, I don't really get science at all. Like, I, I respect the science as a thing. I don't understand any of it. And three, it's just like not the issue that like jazzes me up enough to actually like devote my life to it. So it really just comes down to, to doing some thinking about what are the things in your life, what are the issues that you struggle with that you're actually willing to take action on? Because again, there's so many issues in all of our lives, but 99% of them we're not willing to, to do anything about because they're just not what we, what we care that much about. So finding those areas, and, and a lot of times that just overlaps with your passions and, and thinking about like, oh, are you like a videographer? Like, what are some issues that videographers struggle with? How can you help other videographers? Or how can you use your skill of videography to help other people with their problems? Um, that's, that's generally how I like to think about things. Cool. And like, so if someone wants to get a hold of you, mm -hmm. how do they find out more about you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so the, the best place to reach me right now, um, I mean, Instagram's always good. That's at Apple Crider Official. Um, so I'm pretty active over there. LinkedIn's also good. That's just Apple Crider. Um, or if you want to learn more about Podblade, that's just www.podblade.com. Um, so yeah, those are probably the best places to reach out. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for sharing your stories with us. And it's really cool to see somebody your age who's really taking it on. Thanks, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure.
So I appreciate it a lot. Thanks so much for listening to Harness the Web with your host, Steve Fack. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit HarnessTheWeb.net. We'll see you next time.